Dan Strive and Double Feature presents One Minute with European Zombies, episode 53. Hooray! I'm Dan. I'm your host of this journey, minute by minute. I just drew on my leg with a pen accidentally because I'm so excited I was waving my arms around and somehow I, I drew on myself. That's how much fun it is doing One Minute with European Zombies. I don't promise that this episode is the most fun of the episodes. There's no way I can do that. I haven't recorded it yet. I'll be doing that in the next 15 to 20 minutes. But... I can assure you that it will be a good time, as far as I know. So, let's dive right in. Zombie Lake, Minute 53, Burial Ground, Minute 53, both uh, from 1980. One's French, one's Italian. Ah, where were we? Oh, uh, Spitz and Moran. Spitz and Moran are interrogating the people in the tavern. You in the back. When did you see the girls for the last time? Me? I didn't see them. You think that... If any one of us had seen those poor girls, we would have let them go out there and get killed. Don't you think we'd have told them to stay away from the lake? And especially not to swim in it. You think we're all killers? I've never seen a ghost. What about you? Well, yeah, it wasn't me. It was two boys saw them. That's a fact. What's a fact? Well, the fact is that girls are being slaughtered. Get this straight, boy. Nobody's going to accuse us. Yeah. Thank you. We've got some ghosts killing people here. And you men's job, I hope we're agreed, is to stop them. Yeah, if you can. Let's split. Shit. Let's get away from this heap of hicks. All right, I'm going to try something here. I've been... Ah, I, some of the minutes, the the gist of what goes on in the French dialogue per the subtitles, the English subtitles, and the version on the uh, the uh, Kino Lorber Redemption right Blu-ray, and the English dub, which is the dub a lot of us speaking English grew up hearing, uh, are at odds with one another. In this one, um, well, they're both very um, pushy. In them, and they're both. Uh, there's a lot of yelling. I mean, the um, the, but there. I think sort of the biggest difference is, um, actually, at least my favorite difference. And well, I, I think I've got a plan that might work this time, or it might fail, like the last two times I tried it. Hey, maybe we'll get there by the end. Um, is the in the French version when they get to the end and you know do your job and find out who's who's doing this and stop it. In the French version. Moran says, Spitz! And Spitz, who's standing behind him, looks up. In the English version, he says, Let's split! Instead of Spitz. And then he says, Shit. So he's like working his way around things that sound like Spitz, but he's not spritzing. Spitz, spritzing the Spitz. Uh, So what I want to try to do is I am going to play the minute kind of loud, and I am going to turn the mic towards it. I just turned the mic towards it. So I'm going to play it kind of loud, and I am going to read the subtitles from the French version as it goes. So hopefully you've heard them in it, so you don't need to specifically hear everything that's being said in the English minute. You can get the gist of it. So let's see if this works. I don't know if it will. This could be the biggest waste of a minute of your life, but let's give it a shot. You in the back. When did you see the girls for the last time? Me? I didn't see them. I never saw them. Do you think Anyone if any of us had seen these poor girls, we would have let them go out there and get killed? Don't you think we'd have told them to stay away from the lake? And especially not to swim in it. Mm. Do you think we're all killers? 
Spitz has a great I've look never there. Seen a ghost. Is there anyone here who's seen these ghosts? Well, yes. Yeah, Two boys saw one, dressed in a German soldier uniform. What? You never understand anything. That's part of another investigation. The death of poor Gazek's daughter. But you see, that poor girl's from the country, so you see. Spitz. Let's go. We won't get anything from this bunch of idiots. And that's it. It's fun. Uh, let me turn the microphone back. Hi everyone. How are you? It's good. It's good. It's good to. It's good to see you. I do wonder why the old guy who says two kids saw them, and that's a fact. Why they don't also dub him saying it was a German soldier? Wouldn't that help him? Help the cops? I mean, they don't seem very nice, but uh, maybe help him a little or not. I mean, like I said, the look Spitz gets on his face at that woman, <sighs> and he kind of turns away. It, it's Spitz. Why is it Moran? Or Moran. It's Moran. Ah, who at, Who cares? <laughs> at the end of the day, who cares who it is? The guy who's not the director, Moran, is is doing most of the talking, while Spitz sort of stands in the background being tough. I don't know, doing something. He's being, he's being Spitz is what he's friggin' being. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, they sent these two cops, and the, the two cops. Well, they, I mean, they 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 do say, you know, that they they want to. Um, was in the previous minute when they said they want to. They do want to find the killer and stop this killing, definitely. But they don't believe in the ghosts, and I don't know. I mean, in the end of the day, if they catch the killer, if the killer is a ghost, and they catch the killer, yo, who cares? As long as they're after the killer and trying to get the killer, so. I applaud Spitz and Moran. I hope they'll do well. They're leaving. I imagine they're going to the lake. I hope they watch out. Although I think all the zombies have left the lake and are wandering around visiting little girls. And the daughters, daughters, I have, sorry. The thing with Zombie Lake is every few minutes it does sort of become something else. And right here it seems to become some sort of, I want to. I don't want to say wicker man, but it becomes some sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, city cops, I guess city cops, uh, go into the, the country and meet up with a bunch of hicks who maybe know more than they do. But since it is Zombie Lake and it has no ability to focus its attention on anything, I'm sure this plot line, which I frankly don't remember how it ends, but I don't think it ends well for Spitz and Moran, possibly a spoiler, I'm fairly certain this plot line probably ends in a few minutes and we're back where we started. I mean, we're, we, you know, we still have over half an hour of the movie left. Uh, in, and yeah, it's inability to settle down and actually just tell a story. Uh, not the burial ground is telling much of a story, but a house besieged by flesh-eating zombies is more than eh, some Nazi zombies wander around and occasionally kill someone, and one of them has a daughter. That those aren't those are that's not a story or sort of a plot per se. You know, those are a series of state. You know, those are almost. If this were a sketch movie or something like, can I do it? Uh, can I do it till I need glasses? Or if you if you don't stop, you'll go blind. Why have those not come out in Blu-ray? One of those, can I do it till I need glasses? I think Code Red put that on DVD. That was like their sixth or seventh DVD release. That's when we knew Code Red was going to be weird, because. For all that time when Code Red started, you remember back in 2006, and they were advertising a year beforehand, and it was like, they are going to release a ton of this stuff, which hadn't been released at all yet. I don't know where this tangent came from. Stuff like Don't Go in the Woods. That was like, Don't Go in the Woods would be our first release, and then The Forest, and we're like, oh my gosh. And then Don't Go in the Woods came out. Oh, pardon me. And it was awesome. And, and then Forest came out. The 
but Don't Go in the Woods is their first release. The Forest was their third. I think Devil Times 5 was their fourth, and Doom Asylum was their fifth. Do you remember what their second was? Where Time Began, the J.P. Simon, you know, Mr. Pieces and, and Slugs and, and uh, Endless Descent, his Jules, Cheap Jules Verne film. Uh, which I have on a DVD with Encounter with the Unknown, and I've never actually watched. But that was so weird. Like, I'm going to collect all the Code Reds. And the second one was I, was a film that I pretty much knew would bore me and I would never buy. I did. But maybe number eight or nine was Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses, I think. And for some reason, I didn't buy it. I'm so disappointed in myself. I should have picked that up. And... As you may have guessed by this point, my going off on that tangent was not specifically to talk about that great series of uh, vignette, uh, jokey, sketchy movies, but uh, by the fact that um, we, we heard the, the, um, the talking, and that's about it that, that happens in here. They, um, uh, the cops were antagonistic towards the villagers, the villagers were antagonistic towards the cops, and the cops left, presumably go to the lake. And the most interesting thing is those little dis- different bits in the, let's split, shit. Uh, putting on the shits. All right. Well, that that was uh that was what was that? That was Zombie Lake Minute Fifty Three. And now let's go on to Burial Ground Minute Fifty Three. Oh yes, Janet. Gosh, I hope her name is Janet. The woman who hurt her ankle has is basically she has like a battle axe, and the zombies are beginning to storm into some room. And I did finally watch the uh, segment on the villa that the movie was made in. Oh, it's really great, isn't it? You have you guys? I mean, Patrick Still Lives was made there. <gasps> My gosh, where was the pool cue scene? Where did that happen? Um, but uh, I did find the watch, but that's that's for the burial ground segment. So yeah, so uh, Janet, I believe, with the ankle and the battle axe and the zombies are coming. Let's listen. Yeah, the villa. I'm not going to tell you everything that's in the um, the uh, the villa uh, segment from the burial ground, the Severn Blu-ray. Although I will say, Patrick still lives. I've said it before. Why is that not out on blue? When I can get Play Motel in a really nice blue and Giallo in Venice in a really nice blue, I can't get Patrick still lives. That film is so sleazy and gross. I just love it to bits. Um, Oh, I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, gosh, maybe maybe tonight's the night. Hmm. Actually, I, I I got picked up for the love of Benji on Blu-ray, so I actually might watch that. Tonight. Oh, there's a double feature. Uh, where was I? Yeah, I, I I'm gonna. The 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 villa they the film was shot at the villa. As far as I know, I think it was all shot at the villa. I I actually when I got to the end of it, it didn't occur to me that I was watching this. Where I thought, um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think it was all shot at the at the at the villa. And uh, the shot, I forget how many days they said it was shot. I go and buy the blue and, and watch the segment. It's, it's, I think it's a good one. The, the guy who, um, uh, the Italian gentleman who hosts it knows his stuff. 
and is like just seeing him in the middle of like these big gorgeous rooms talking seriously about burial ground is a joy and it's that room with the fresco remember um george and evelyn their bedroom where michael walks in um that had the beautiful fresco along the uh along the ceiling he walks into that room and they're, they're like we're we're in the in like the lower um uh, i i don't know it's i i was going to say lower left hand corner that doesn't make any sense when you walk through the door if you were to walk through the actual door of the room the one that i guess is it the one michael comes through i don't know but sort of the there's where we are we're we're crouching the corner over in the far wall there's like the fireplace uh, and then and then the wall sort of in front of us has a door and the bed. And we don't see the other wall, I think. Um, but the wall to the left that we don't see either, direct to the left of the camera, has these two huge, like, archways, which I imagine are... I, 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 I couldn't see what they were because he walks into them. I don't know if they're, like, um, you walk out onto ba- a balcony or that's actually, like, how you get in the room. Like, because th- there's no bed in the room. It's, it's not a bedroom. It's a huge room with a fireplace in it. So it looks like when I saw that, I thought, wait a minute. So they just took this kick-ass room that you just walk into from outside. Uh, let's hope there aren't a lot of flies that would drive me up the wall. Or maybe it's a balcony. I don't know. But it, the way he walked into it, you can't see out. And, but it was, it was cool to think that they used that room and some ingenuity involved you don't think of ingenuity when you watch a film like this apart from uh, killings you don't think someone would walk in this gorgeous room and go this is that bedroom for that scene but what about the huge uh, entrances or whatever this is we don't even need to show them people don't even need to know they're there i would never have known they were there so yeah this is the whole i wish they would have talked about the door that they go in through and i would have loved the thing i would have loved if he would have gone to some spots and he would have been like um, this is the hallway that what's her name walks down and she gets pulled through the her face gets pulled towards the glass or this is the room that Janet and the butler go into where they break through the door you know and they set up a fake door here and they smash through it and here's the place I would have loved a little more context for the rooms in one part of my mind in another part when we when I used to write for Bleeding Skull back in the day that was what 2006 to 14. Um, we weren't huge on learning the backgrounds of movies. We would if we met the filmmakers and they told us about them. But we weren't big on that. And in fact, in the Sledgehammer DVD commentary, we say we don't. We could have found out some background about the movie, but we know that they're interviewing the director, David Pryor, for this. They're trying to interview. We were trying to interview Ted. Um, and there is a commentary with David Pryor talking about the making of the movie. So there's no point in us talking about the making of the movie. Let's talk about something else involved with the movie, how it makes us feel, um, what, we th- what we're thinking of, what are the reference points we have in our mind when we see bits and pieces here and there. Um, you know, we, we, you know, Joe made music. I made cheap movies with video cameras, you know, and so we could reference that. And so the, uh, to me... Um, part of me loves finding out stuff you know there's there's some things like when i listen to the don't go in the woods commentary in the code red dvd it was a joy but then i will not listen to the byron quisenberry commentary on the screen blu-ray i just can't i can't do it i can't i i don't think there's a lot of mystery to it because i'm i i'm fairly certain that um one of the bits of extra work i did way back in the day i was on or could see that western 
a street that they're on. So, and, and I recognize it from other things. And, and so I don't, I don't need to know sort of the making of it. I like the mystery of it. It was fun to see that it was shot in this villa, which is kick ass. And one part of me would like to see where all that was going was that I'm just wondering like the door, the door where I, part of me would love to know where that entrance is, that doorway is, you, you know, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. At the end of the movie, you sort of see like curtains over on at the end of the movie. At the end of the minute, as you can see some of the guys approaching, you can see on the right side of the screen there's like a space with red curtains and light, which I think is the space that the door that the zombies came through. I wouldn't be surprised if that door or the glass door they smashed through was either like a balcony somewhere high up, or just a door that led to another room that they pretended was a door that went outside. Who knows? But it doesn't matter. It's all part of the fun. But most of this minute is Janet trying to ward off three zombies. And she's not doing so great because she can't move that fast. She keeps stabbing one of them with that axe thing. And just like goop and glop. Keeps oozing out over the, over the stuff. So you see like this woman who's in distress was trying to save herself stabbing this this thing in the in the gut and gross liquid is is oozing out the kind of over it you see these gross zombie faces and you just think to yourself it was a weird time when i was a gore hound i still love some good gore I'll, i'll take a good gore film any any day of the week uh but there was a time when i was watching these films specifically for the gore um what happened was when I got into these films like in late 87, for about four or five years, I was in them just for the gore. And then at some point in college, circa 92, 93, maybe a little bit later, I started watching, I started re-watching the ones that I'd watched just for the gore and watching the stuff in between the gore and finding it so uh, fun. And, and just like if you could get a film like say House of Death, which has a lot of gore, but most of it's in like the last 20 minutes, so what about those first 60 to 70 minutes? They're a joy. And so Burial Ground doesn't, at this point, doesn't have nearly as much gore as I thought it had. It certainly has some, uh, but it doesn't nearly have as much as I thought. But the in-betweens are so fun. I mean, that's just almost the, um, I, it's not quite the Werewolves on Wheels complex that I, or the concept, or the, what, what was it? What did I say about Werewolves on Wheels before? Where you're sold one movie, but you've given another movie that only vaguely resembles what you were sold and you can either get really angry at it or you can watch the actual movie and and a lot of times that's the second time you have to do that you have to get angry at it first and then you can watch it again and see what it is and um yeah again that's another tangent i haven't even really talked about the minute that much because there's not much to go it's exactly what i said it was i um I've been feeling kind of wistful and and nostalgic about um, um, uh, gory, strange horror movies of uh, that I watched when I was younger. We, I do a podcast called Podcast Mania with a bunch of good folks, including a great mailman named Vaughn who loves the Violent Shit trilogy, and Amy the Conqueror who has joined me for Voyagers and Erie, Indiana, and eventually Super Train, and the great Charlie, Charlie Brown. I think he's got a band called Total Wolf, I think. They have an album coming out. He's in Medicine Hat. Um, and uh, he would join me from Manimal on eventually Super Train. 
and uh, we had a chat yesterday about why I love early 80s slashers so much. First wave slashers, I call them. But why I don't love The Prowler and Hell Knight. And Amy, at the end of it, had the perceptive moment where she said, Dan, if you saw both of these films on the big screen, do you think you'd like them more? I took a deep breath and said, yes. So I need to see The Prowler and Hell Knight on the big screen, if anyone could hook me up. Anyways, Burial Ground. She's... I think she's going to be okay because there are only three zombies and the two guys are rushing up and they probably got the butler with them and there are lots of swords and things around so they'll be able to take care of these three zombies and get Janet out of there, I think. Let's find out next time. Listen to this, guys. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for listening and listening to this, guys and gals. Thank you.